So tonight we will be in chapter 24 of the book of Genesis. Uh, we'll do as we always do. We'll read and then we'll pray and offer this time to the Lord. Beginning with verse 1, chapter 24, it reads, Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of those local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. The servant asked, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? No, Abraham responded. Be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. If she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine, but under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So the servant took an oath by putting his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham. He swore to follow Abraham's instructions. Then he loaded ten of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master, and he traveled to distant Aram Naharaim. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening, and the women were coming to draw water. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed, Please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebekah coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebekah was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered. Have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a golden ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrists. Whose daughter are you, he asked, and please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethuel, she replied. My grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for guests. The man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. The young woman ran home to tell her family everything that had happened. Now Rebekah had a brother named Laban, who ran out to meet the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and had heard Rebekah tell what the man had said. 
So he rushed out to the spring where the man was still standing beside his camels. Laban said to him, Come and stay with us, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why are you standing here outside the town when I have a room all ready for you and a place prepared for the camels? So the man went home with Laban, and Laban unloaded the camels, gave him straw for their bedding, fed them, and provided water for the man and the camel drivers to wash their feet. Then food was served. But Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I have told you why I have come. All right, Laban said, tell us. I am Abraham's servant, he explained, and the Lord has greatly blessed my master. He has become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold, and many male and female servants and camels and donkeys. When Sarah, my master's wife, was very old, she gave birth to my master's son, and my master has given him everything he owns, and my master has made me take an oath. He said, Do not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my father's house, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son. But I said to my master, What if I can't find a young woman who is willing to go back with me? He responded, The Lord, in whose presence I have lived, will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. Yes, you must find a wife for my son from among my relatives from my father's family. Then you will have fulfilled your obligation. But if you go to my relatives and they refuse to let her go with you, you will be free from my oath. So today when I came to the spring, I prayed this prayer. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me the success on this mission. See, I am standing here beside this spring, and this is my request. When a young woman comes to draw water, I will say to her, Please give me a little drink of water from your jug. If she says, Yes, have a drink, and I will draw water for your camels too, let her be the one you have selected to be the wife of my master's son. Before I had finished praying in my heart, I saw Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water, so I said to her, Please give me a drink. She quickly lowered a jug from her shoulder and said, You have a drink and I will water your camels too. So I drank, and then she watered the camels. Then I asked, Whose daughter are you? She replied, I am the daughter of Bethuel, and my grandparents are Nahar and Milcah. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. Then I bowed low and worshipped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, because he had led me straight to my master's niece to be his son's wife. So tell me, will you or won't you show unfailing love and faithfulness to my master? Please tell me yes or no, and then I'll, do, I'll know what to do next. Then Laban and Bethuel replied, The Lord has obviously brought you here, so there's nothing we can say. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go. Yes, let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard their answer, he bowed down to the ground and worshipped the Lord. Then he brought out silver and gold jewelry and clothing and presented them to Rebekah. He also gave expensive presents to her brother and mother. Then they ate their meal, and the servant and the men with him stayed there overnight. But early the next morning Abraham's servant said, Send me back to my master. But we want Rebekah to stay with us at least ten days, her brother and mother said. Then she can go. But he, the servant said, Don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return to my master. Well, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. So they called Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? They asked her. And she replied, yes, I will go. 
So they said goodbye to Rebekah and sent her away with Abraham's servant and his men. The woman who had been Rebekah's childhood nurse went along with her. They gave her this blessing as she parted. Our sister, may you become the mother of many millions. May your descendants be strong and conquer the cities of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her servant girls mounted the camels and followed the man. So Abraham's servant took Rebekah and went on his way. Meanwhile, Isaac, whose home was in the Negev, had returned from Bir Lahiroi. One evening as he was walking and meditating in the fields, he looked up and saw the camels coming. When Rebekah looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted from her camel. Who is that man walking through the fields to meet us? She asked the servant. And he replied, It is my master. So Rebekah covered her face with her veil. Then the servant told Isaac everything he had done. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent, and she became his wife. He loved her deeply, and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this evening, ready once again to drink from the cup of spiritual knowledge that you give us week to week. As we prepare, Lord, to look at chapter 24 of Genesis, we ask, as always, that you give us the wisdom that only the Holy Spirit can provide, that you help us to understand all that it is you wish us to know from this chapter, and that anyone who may be hearing this may be moved to worship you as Abraham's servant worshiped the Lord. We love you, and we praise you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we have here a very detailed account um, of this event, of the um, oath that the servant of Abraham is uh, put to by Abraham himself, and he is instructed to do what? Go find a wife for Isaac. Yeah, go find a wife for Isaac. Absolutely. And it had to be a very specific place that the servant would go. And so... The the setup of this entire chapter is it's kind of a holy redundancy mm-hmm. because we see everything happen and then we see everything explained and it looks very, very similar, right? And we've seen this before in other lessons and other chapters of books that we've studied together. And that redundancy sometimes, I mean, I, I didn't even realize I, I, before we, we started, we spoke about how this chapter is 67 verses. Last week was 20, okay? And so I know that as we prepared for this, I never once really thought about the number of verses, but I did get struck by sort of the redundancy of, okay, now I don't know that the servant had to go into this much. It, it, like today, if this servant had talked to us, we'd have been like, just get to the point. Like, <laughs> you know. Like the Reader's Digest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, we'll talk about why that happened and, 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 you know, its importance. And so as we begin the look at this chapter... We're seeing Abraham in the twilight of his life, right? We see that literally in verse 1 when it says Abraham was now a very old man and the Lord had blessed him in every way, that this verse, as many of these verses in the recent chapters about Abraham, they've begun with very strong first verses that really sort of lay the foundation of where Abraham is in his life at this point, right? And we have seen, as we've studied together, the way in which the Lord has blessed Abraham, both in growing him in faith, but also in the earthly material things that the Lord has provided for him. And so right here we have a very simple statement that says, Abraham is now very old. 
and the Lord had blessed him. And it says, in every way, mm-hmm. not just the earthly material things, but with his family, with the oath and covenant that was made by God to him, and the growth of his faith to the man that he is now, a humble servant of God, a righteous man, a man who, much, much later, when the writer of Hebrews writes the book, when he starts chapter 11 and talks about the hall of faith, the very first example is Abraham, right? And we see Abraham to the end. He is concerned with making sure that everything go according to God's will. And we meet him here at a point where he's looking forward and knowing I've got to make sure that I set up Isaac properly. The tradition back then was arranged marriages, right? The, the, the head of household would be the one to, you know, find a suitable spouse for, in this case, his, his only son, mm-hmm. right? In the eyes of God. Um, and he commits his, the, 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 the lead servant, the one that has been in the household for the longest. Mm-hmm. Many think that the name of this servant was Eliezer. Mm-hmm. And he brings him in and he says uh, to the man in charge, this is verse number two, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. The description of what we see here in terms of how this oath is taken and the physical nature of which is described here is the setup of a very intimate oath that is being made by the servant with Abraham. He's saying, you know, upon, you know, all that you are, swear that you're going to take care of what I ask you to do. Part of this moment is because is Abraham himself probably in a position where he could make this trip to seek out a wife himself. He's much too old, right? And so he calls upon the servant that his, his you know, the, 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 the scriptures say the one who had been uh, with him the longest, his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, <coughs> and he charges him with this task, right? Why didn't the son, why didn't Isaac look for his own wife? I mean, it's because, well... It's I a great question. It's a great question because of the tradition of the time. Older, sure, yeah. probably older by this point. Yeah. And, and she would be coming from Abraham's lineage, is that right? His family, absolutely. Well, isn't yeah. that incest? Not at no, this yeah, point. Not, Not at this days. point. In fact, it, in my notes, it says that it was a marriage between cousins. Yeah. Correct. The preference. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, Ishmael married his cousin also. Absolutely. Ishmael. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ishmael married his cousin, but it was from um, the line of... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I know what you're getting at. The, it wasn't Ishmael. It was, uh, yeah, it was Ishmael that married his cousin, but it was, I, I was thinking about it when I read this today. His cousin was from uh, the others. Uh, one of yours. I thought it was lots, but maybe it was. I want to say it maybe. I have to look closer because it's, and I think it's going to come up in the next chapter. Um, but the, right. And so back to the original question. Remember, none of this is against 
any sort of law or rule because is the law in place yet? No. 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 And everybody's related still. Yeah, exactly. Right. This is how yeah. early we are in the stage of things, right? And so, and not only that, but why do we think that Abraham's thought would be send or go to my family to seek a wife for Isaac? Why would that be the specific instruction? Wouldn't, wouldn't uh, the Lord have, did he make a promise with Abraham at one time that, uh, I guess maybe around the time when he uh, laid down the, 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 the covenant for circumcision, did he tell them that, they couldn't marry outside of their. I'm asking. I don't know. No, no. There, there was nothing like that said okay. within the context of that. Okay. Well, I was surprised um, because thinking about it, remember when Abraham was called, they weren't all um, God's people. When he was called to leave his brother and everybody Correct. else and go, and so I thought, so why would it matter if he went back to his family? Because they didn't worship God, but not all of them. Not all of them. Not only that, but if there's going to be someone who would be influenced by the life of Abraham and coming into Abraham's community and then get to know the Lord, it would more than likely be somebody from his family because they know, right, exactly, rather than someone from a pagan community, right? And so these are all great questions that really go to understanding the the traditions of the time. Mm -hmm. And when we think about, okay, in the economy of our mind today and how we understand and I'm going to say the rules to be, none of that was in place yet. Yeah. Okay, there is no law established until which book of the Bible? So Jesus is oh. the one that, that established that? No, no. no. The law is Leviticus. 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 Exodus is when it occurs. Yeah. Leviticus then puts it all out there, right? So we're still ahead of anything that right. would forbid this type of marriage. Okay, so it is, and not only that, the instruction comes from Abraham inspired by God. 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 Right. So God is not going to put two together that he doesn't intend to have together, okay. right? So. And like you said in the culture, mm-hmm. arrange marriages by the father as opposed to the son picking his so that's why Right. Back to the question of, mind, yeah. Mind says we, you know, that the father, the family, yeah. the, actually the that father himself chooses the wife. Too. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing is we well, we don't have it Isaac. It still does. Yeah. If you ask the father for the hand. hand in marriage and you're truthful and Christian and by the word, it would happen. You would yeah. the word I know why you're laughing. Because <laughs> I, I'm laughing no, because. Exactly. I had to ask, oh, I had to ask yeah. his hand. Did you? That yeah. Was, that was just. She, she made me, Jen made me ask her dad for her hand, and I did. And I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to have permission to marry your daughter. And his response was, what, that thing? And so, <laughs> so, that was truly a oh, sense of humor. So, you get your sense of humor? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I'm yeah. definitely my dad. I got in trouble later for laughing, but you know <laughs> no. That's a very fond memory that I have of, of I don't dad. know what's worse. My husband had to ask my mother. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But but back to the original question and, and it's been answered, but you know, th- this notion of Isaac, you know, Isaac is well into his thirties by now, you know. Well so Yeah. Go ahead. I looked ahead at the next chapter and uh-huh. it said that Abram was 176, so Isaac could have been in his 50s. Sure, that's true. Yeah, it, it could have been even more so. Um, you know, the, the, the idea here, though, is that Isaac never once went into business for himself. 
to find a spouse, right? He, which tells us, and again, it's these little things that we can infer from the scriptures, which is okay to do, provided that we're guided by the Holy Spirit when we do. Inference from the scriptures is okay if it's Holy Spirit led. And so we can learn about Isaac and how much uh, faith he had in his father, and thus he trusted that his father would provide a wife for him, and that he didn't have to go see. He was busying himself with getting prepared to be who? The The leader of the community. Yeah, the leader of the community. Did he know that his father was going to do that? Uh, By the tradition of the time, sure. Yeah. Yeah. By the tradition of the time, this was not going to be a situation where, you know, hey, um, oh, by the way, I found you a wife. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, no, but it's a good question because, you know, Isaac is going about the business of being the son and doing what the son is called to do, which in this case is preparing to take the mantle of leading this community, right? right? Right. And so, you know, and not to mention the fact that this, this closeness between Isaac and Abraham is, I mean, think about all of the things that underpin that sort of faith he has in his father. He went through the entire experience of being told that, or being figured out that he was the sheep, right? right? <laughs> so His whole life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so he has been formed for this moment. And so that's why the servant is sent to then undertake the task of Abraham, because Abraham at this point cannot. Travel. Right? Can't travel. So we go on. This might very well be two sessions. So here we go. <laughs> um, he makes, yeah, he makes the, uh, the 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 servant swear an oath. Uh, the servant asked, uh, "But what if I can't find a young woman who's willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from?" This this speaks a lot to how the the servant thinks. It's not that he doesn't trust it can happen. He's he's a solver. Hey, if this doesn't work out. Should I? T- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Should I take Isaac to? Which is a, which is a very reasonable question. Yeah. It's yeah. a very reasonable question, and there is a very adamant response from Abraham in you verse six. Absolutely not. Exactly. And why? Absolutely not. Why does Abraham want to make sure that we're never going to take Isaac out of the land that he's in now back to where he was born because or the where land he was from? To his multitudes and his nations. This is the land God promised. Exactly. I'm sorry, say that again. What did you say now? That, that the reason that that Isaac is not to be taken back to the land where his where Abraham's family is, is because this is outside of the land that has been promised okay. to he and his descendants. Okay. okay. There's no going back, in other words. In the mind of, of Abraham, I can't because listen, let's say he had said, Yeah, that's fine, and then Isaac goes, leaves the community and goes back to where his family is, because let's face it, that's who they were. Okay. He's not within the confines of what the Lord has established for him. And thus, the chance of him going, well, wait a minute. Finding a wife, and she's saying, I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll stay here. Yeah, and thus, yeah. you know. And then he would have a lot of pagan influence. Exactly. So yeah. The Canaanites were his family? No. no. He's, the, he, he doesn't... He doesn't want them to be... This is their land, but he also, Abraham, knows that if they were to take Isaac back to where Abraham first originated from, those are still pagan lands. Oh, I see. Okay. Because okay. yeah. it hasn't come by that's right. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, that's why... Exactly. That's why God pulled him out. Oh. Right? Thank you. 
And and here's the thing, guys. We we're so far into Abraham's life now that it's kind of easy to forget where Abraham came from. Like how far back the Lord when the Lord first said to him, "Leave your family, leave your father's home," right? And remember back then he didn't quite follow the instructions, no, right? But look at Abraham now. We should be proud of Abraham. Yeah. All right. So Abraham responded, "No." Be careful never to take my son there, for the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. Amen. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. If I'm the servant, I'm being given the easiest task possible if I pay attention to who? Abraham. My master. Yeah. Did y'all... Happen to notice how many times Eliezer refers to his master? Yes. My master. My ma 21 times he says in this chapter, my master. Because it shows what about the servant? Faithfulness. Loyalty, Loyalty and faithfulness. But you know, Respect. Mm -hmm. I was thinking when I was reading this, Eliezer was not a Christian, was not um, a follower of God. Okay. But he trusted it that his master was. Exactly. And so this whole chapter is like a, a lesson mm -hmm. first to the servant and then when the servant tries all these things you know and it, it happens yeah he also has a great testimony when he's witnessing to the family about what happened perfect I mean, I just, yeah no that's good i'm glad i'm glad you're saying it because that is the whole point of what we call what i'm what i'm referring to and you won't find this term in a book i'm making it up the spiritual redundancy of this chapter shows us how much the servant is affected by what he's experienced right. that he wants to testify to it right. right and not only that but he has been with abraham for so long and has watched abraham pray to the lord mm -hmm. and receive right exactly what the lord has promised because abraham says the lord has promised me this yep and it's going to happen yeah. and they've seen it happen yeah mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, here, so we'll get, we're going to get to that because that's going to be part of our discussion. Abraham continues and he says, if she is unwilling to come back with you, then you're free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So not only does he set him up with, you know, the perfect assignment, he says to him, you know, an angel of the Lord will guide you. Right. So if I'm the servant, I'm like pretty confident things are going to go the way they should. But I'm also being shown by Abraham the kind of faith that my master has, yeah. that he is 100 percent all in on the notion of God has a plan and that plan is going to come to fruition. But listen, Eliezer, if she doesn't come with you, don't dare take my son to her or to there. Mm -hmm. Right. He's, he's still operating with someone who he knows is not of his level of faith, right? So he's addressing the servant with the instructions specifically so that the servant can't mess it up. So the servant takes the oath. He puts his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham, and he swears to follow Abraham's instructions in verse 9. Now, we get a really interesting view here of what the servant does next, and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Then he loaded 10 of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master, and he traveled to distant Aram Naharaim. Okay. There is absolutely no reason that, on the face of things, he should have to take camels and all these goods and, and wealth with him. 
other than he knows that he's heading into a situation where he feels by tradition he needs to bring gifts like because a dowry of or whatever. Exactly, a dowry. He really believes that uh, the angel is guiding him. Well, he, uh, and he understands that the tradition of the day is I need to bring stuff because there is a price to be paid for what's about to happen, okay? So if there's a question of why so many camels and why so much wealth, it's all going to be used, and we're going to see it happen. Like you said, the dowry. Because the dowry, though, usually comes from the wife's family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. But he, I think he's doing it to show uh, proof of his master's wealth. Oh, absolutely, right, you know, absolutely. Because did you see Laban, that snake, when he saw oh, the jewelry yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll get there. <laughs> so I love that, Laban the snake. Um, he was crafty. Um, but but before, before we get there, so the servant sets up ten camels. This is this is a sign of large wealth. Yeah. Okay. One person took. Yeah. Well, and and of course he, he's he's taking people with him because right. we do learn that there are camel drivers right that are with him as part of this account. Uh, but he's also packing the camels with. Wealth, okay? But there's a reason that the 10 camels is going to become even more important here very soon. Now, having said that, the, the servant knows that he is going to undertake this oath and task, and he has absolutely no hesitation to the fact that he's going to be taking all of these camels and all these people, and he's going to go across this countryside. And in case you're wondering, it's about 900 miles, depending on the path you take. Wow. Okay? It, depending on the path you take, I saw two different accounts that, co that commented that based on path, it could be 500 straight line, but 900 based on an easier path. So how many months did it take him to get there? I yeah. don't know for no, sure. <laughs> but but the point I'm is, be on the dog. he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't see it as something he cannot accomplish. Right. 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 And he yeah. doesn't worry about marauders. Exactly. <laughs> Which in that day, with that much wealth, would have been a big thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. In fact, we we get from verse ten where he loads up to the second half of verse ten, where it says, "There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled." In the in the path of one verse, he packs up. Walks and gets there. Wow. Right? So, you know, things are going pretty well. Verse 11. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening and the women were coming out to draw water. There's a very specific thing he does here. He, he, he doesn't enter the town. Okay? He's not so um, self-centered that he wants to show the town the wealth. Well, he knows that the women will be coming out, and that's where he can see a woman. Right, but he's also doing that to make sure that it doesn't seem like he's trying to show off because of what his message is going to be, of why he's there. Now, for him individually, it's, okay, I'm going to pause here, I'm going to have the camels settle, and I'm going to stay by the well because, yes, by this time of night, we know I'm going to start to see the women of the community come out to the well, and let's see what occurs and he begins to pray he says in verse number 12 "O lord god of my master abraham here's where we see the first glimpse of he's not quite of abraham's level of faith but he believes that abraham believes mm -hmm. and that's good enough for him yep. please give me success today he prayed 
and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. I'm not sure what your translations say, but there's something about that prayer where he asked the Lord to show unfailing love. What is it described as in yours? Kindness. My Kindness. Kindness. I, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my mind. Okay. Mine steadfast love. Steadfast love. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah. Unfailing love. He's simply saying, do your thing. Be the God that you are that loves my master. I know you love him and I know he loves you. And so his prayer is, show that unfailing love to my master Abraham. It's a very unselfish prayer. See, I'm standing here beside this spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. And this is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I'll know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Let's make sure we understand what the servant is asking for here. It isn't just show me who Isaac's wife will be. It's show me that this woman is of a strong character. Because what is he asking that the woman will be willing to do? To give his camels a drink. Okay. And to go 900 miles with (laughs) Well, yeah, that's going to be part of it, right? But first, he says... give kindness to him yes. and give him a drink. Right. Exactly. Okay. That's Careful. step one. Step one. Right? Which would show what about her character if she gave him water? She's not kindness. judgmental. Okay. She's kind. She's kind. She's not judgmental. She empathy. welcomes right, empathy. Exactly. Okay. But then he also wants her to be willing. This is unbeknownst to Rebecca. Okay. Uh-huh. To be willing to draw water for her camels, right. for so his camels, she'd have to have humility, and she'd have to be a, she'd have to have a strong right. work ethic. And a servant's heart. Just a little extra animal-based information that I have for you to make this point: <laughs> an average camel in one sitting will drink about twenty gallons of water. Oh, okay. Got a big job. How many camels were there? Ten. 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 She has to be willing to draw water for the, the servant and 10 camels. And it said she kept the trough full. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is a, this is a prayer. This, I mean, we're not even, we know it happens, right? But at the point that we're looking at, all we know is this is the servant's prayer. And so he understands, this is again, what we're learning about the servant. He understands the heart of his master. Mm-hmm. That the woman that would be chosen by God for his master's son would be someone of humility, someone of kindness, someone of work ethic, someone of strong character, right? Because she is to be the next factor in the story of the many nations that have been promised to Abraham. And so he prays a very reasonable prayer, even though you and I go, that's 200 gallons of water. And she's healthy and strong. Yeah, exactly. There's one one attribute that you didn't uh, mention, and it was how she looked. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're almost there. We're almost there. Because look, this is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master is the end of the servant's prayer. But verse 15 begins with, before he had finished praying. Mm -hmm. Ah. 
he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. This is the beauty of the God that we serve. That he doesn't even have to have the servant finish the prayer wow. before yeah. he's answering it. Okay, uh -huh. now, get, granted, the, the servant doesn't yet know that this is what's happening. This is what's happening. But we, as those who are learning and are being taught by the Lord through this verse, we're seeing, wow, mm -hmm. before the servant had uttered the final words of his prayer, mm -hmm. the Lord was already setting things into motion made. to answer it. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, the servant is praying, yeah. and he sees this woman walking towards, named Rebecca. She has a water jug on her shoulder. This is a pretty hefty-sized jug, right? Because they're strong women of this time, and, 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 and not afraid of labor. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor. So we know, okay, we're meeting the conditions of Abraham's request. She's coming from his family, okay? She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. And the servant runs over to her and says, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. And her immediate answer is? Here you go. Yes. And yes, my Lord, a, a respectful way of addressing wow. the servant, awesome. right? Have a drink. Mm -hmm. And she quickly lowered a jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. And then he doesn't have to ask about the camels. This is the beautiful part of the prayer that is answered yeah. by yeah, God. And water for your camels. Yeah, she says, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. Until they've had enough to drink. drink. <laughs> now, in the, in the brain that we all have, you have to now store the 20 gallons per camel at this one sitting wow. but it gives us the magnitude of what rebecca's heart is willing to do and this wasn't early in the morning this was in this the is in the evening absolutely and so <laughs> right and so so we know that she's willing to do it herself because she is actually the one that suggests it right so i just wanted to say one thing don't you think this prayer also teaches us that we can ask God within specific things. Oh, absolutely. Like, God, I need this by this time. Or I need... Because a lot of times we're afraid to do that. Yep. We just kind of give a general mm -hmm. request. And I know uh, in the past when I've prayed for something by a specific time or a specific way or show me this, and it does happen that way, it's it's just so amazing sure. that God can do it. Yeah. And I think that this teaches people that we can ask. Specificity in prayer. Absolutely. And a lot of times we get discouraged because we don't follow right. through on our prayers. That's right. right. Yeah, no, I, I love that, sister, that there is that, that ability we're seeing for us to have specific, you know, specificity to our prayers. And the reason, like you said, that we don't do it is because we tend to think that, well, I, I'm, I can't tell God what to do, yeah. right? But here's the thing. God already knows, like, what your true prayer is, yeah. whether you voice it or not, right? And when I say voice it, I mean, like, it doesn't have to be out loud. You know, but in our hearts, we have we try to pray from a humble standpoint. Right. But at the same time, it's almost like the Lord is like, okay, well, but what really what Sergio really wants, yeah. right? It, so he like, knows. Come on, come on. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> to 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 speak it specifically shows a stronger faith in God because we know that He wants that honesty from us, right? As much as He wants the prayer, He wants us to not feel like we have to um, blunt the request. Right, and there's so phrase, yeah. There's a phrase in scripture that refers to the di desires of our heart. Yep. Right, and so you know, he wants to. That's a trick. Did you know that scripture was a trick? 
give God the desires of your heart and he will bring it to pass. No, he does not give you your desires. He changes your desires to match his desires and then he gets them to you. Okay, that may be not the yeah. verse I'm thinking of, but yeah, I can see your point. Yeah, yeah. It's a trick. At, at, the, at the end of the day, the Lord knows best, right? Yeah. For, for each of us. But if we are walking with him in the way that Abraham has walked with him at this point, and the servant, as a result of his closeness to Abraham, understands who the Lord is, he has the confidence to be this specific. And before he finishes the prayer, there's Rebecca. And she proceeds to do everything. He didn't ask her for anything. He proceeds. The only thing he asked for was a sip of water. Right. right, but then she proceeds to do all. Can you imagine the the amazement of this yeah. servant? Right, right? He's a everything Abraham, Abraham yeah. said is coming. It's to coming to pass. pass. Absolutely. So then we get to verse twenty one, and it says the servant watched in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. I don't really know that he was wondering all that much, but I think what he was wondering was like, could wow, could this have been as easy as this was? <laughs> right. Um, he's, he has that human response of like, okay, everything looks like it's Rebecca, right? But is it really? And so there's this wonderment about the servant in when he, as he's seen all this play out. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Back in 16, when they talked about how beautiful she was, mm-hmm. why did they say, but she was still a virgin? Why, why the but? It didn't say that. Um, mine does. Oh, mine just does says too. the girl was still. Was yeah, mine says but as well. Yeah, a virgin. Yeah. No one had known. That's all. Mine, mine says. says neither had any man known her. Yeah, I don't have any notes as to why I mean, the but. Okay. Is there? It, it, I mean, when they say it does it, but I'm just saying when mine does. says, it just makes it sound like. Yeah. But she was a virgin. Like, that was a bad thing. Like, no, yeah. I know. Right. Mine says she was beautiful and old enough to be married. Right. But she was still a virgin. But so it could be. Virgin. And if you think about it, because remember, we don't, we're not given the age of Rebecca at this point. But we also know that Isaac is older. Right. Right. Um, and so I think that's part of it. Sister, what you're saying is she's already old enough to be married. She isn't married yet, but she's a virgin, which tells us she's still pure. Right. Right. Which is mean it's going to meet the requirement. Which that, I would think they would say, and she's still a virgin. Yeah. Instead. Yeah. But that I, I, yeah, I think it's no, it's <laughs> nothing. Mine says and. Okay. Yeah. And that makes more sense. Because I don't that's know why it, they put that was this kind in. Of like the translation. I don't know. Yeah, the new NLT. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Either way, (laughs) right? No, but it's a good question. No, it's a good question because at the end of the day, what we are told about Rebecca is that she's she's definitely the Lord's chosen. Exactly. Right. And the Lord is not going to pick someone for Isaac that isn't pure because again, it needs to be someone who will give birth to the next generation right of god's people right right and it has to be from isaac right okay because it wasn't abraham's other son correct yeah. exactly now we get to verse 22 then at last when the camels had finished drinking uh he took out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold braces for her wrist so here we see that a man of god is giving somebody a nose ring mm-hmm. so 
Whose daughter are you, he asked. And please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? The, the servant is being very humble, and he's asking for lodging. Is it possible? And she replies, I'm the daughter of Bethuel. My grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for guests. And the, as she's speaking these words, I can picture the servant just going... Right. I can't believe this, this is, is it's happening yeah. exactly as Abraham, my master, has requested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, and, and, and the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. Yeah, now we're seeing his heart yeah. become one with God. And he says, praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham. He never stops saying that because he's also uh, very respectful of the position that he holds. That his master is Abraham. But the Lord, he praises the Lord, the God of my master Abraham. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to the master's relatives. This man did not have to travel this many miles to then go searching for someone. He didn't have to have, you know tryouts and applications he just the lord had it all in hand and he knew here's the beautiful part where in this chapter yet do we see the lord tell abraham this is who you should look for for your son it starts with abraham who is guided by the lord the lord Mm -hmm. and he just said you go god will take care of everything else absolutely Absolutely. Sergio, I got yes. a quick question. About, Absolutely. Just a, a, a comment, I guess, about 22, about the the uh, the gold nose ring. I, I'm I'm thinking in those days was a nose ring, but that kind of like a sign of affluency or, or oh yeah, it, it was rich, you know. Absolutely. If it was gold. If it was gold. Yeah. Okay. No, absolutely. The, the and, and I'm glad you said that because, said that because the scriptures do tell us. Yeah. And give us an understanding of, of what what wealth at this time looks like, right? Okay. But so, gold ring today. If I had a gold ring in my nose, would that mean what? <laughs> it depends if you have a camel or not, as well. So. <laughs> you used to run with the wrong kind of people. <laughs> it means we'll be talking after class. <laughs> so. Jesse may put a string on it. That's what I was thinking. It depends on where it is in the notes. Yeah. All right. So we we get to verse 28, which I'm glad we're here because this is where we start to see the next steps. Mm -hmm. The young woman ran home to tell her family everything that happened. Rebecca is as amazed as anybody else is Mm -hmm. by what is occurring. So she runs home and she tells her family what has occurred so far now verse 29 i love how it starts with now rebecca had a brother named laban who ran out to meet the man at the spring we don't see rebecca's father come out very interesting the thought is that laban in this community we know this is abraham's family right but we know from the fact that laban is the one that comes out to do all of the negotiating is he is someone of influence in the community right. now, and maybe it's because he has stronger negotiation skills than his father has. But whatever the case might be, we're introduced to her brother. Well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get there. Absolutely. So he 
the first thing we see is Re Rebecca has a brother named Laban who ran out to meet the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said. So he rushes out to the spring where the man is still standing beside him. So he's rushing all the way out of town, right? And regardless of his motives, the idea here is that Laban, the brother, does have sort of a twofold motive here, okay? He is listening to his sister talk about there's this guy who, you know, is telling me, you know, he's praising God, you know, because apparently I'm the fulfillment of some sort of mission, right? Yeah. So Laban is curious because he, again, the, the, the camels have not set foot into the city, yeah. right? The wealth that this man carries has not yet been seen other than by Rebecca. Rebecca. And then right. it's only a nose ring and uh -huh. two bracelets, right? So Laban comes into the picture and he says, come and stay with us, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why are you standing here outside the town when I have a room all ready for you and a place prepared for the camp? How does the servant know that that's the case, right? He's I saying it to be like... Yeah, he didn't what are you waiting for? Her because until you get a formal invitation, exactly. probably in those days, you didn't just do that. You yeah. didn't just show up. But, but, but the invitation comes in a bit heavy-handed. because, And this is where we can see that Laban is probably... Mo and we don't really get a, a lot of negative in, you know, feeling here from Laban yet. Um, it's just because we know the rest of the story. Sure. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, Laban, he's, he knows that he has some maneuvering that he thinks he can do here. Okay? So he goes out, he invites the servant in. So the man went home with Laban, and Laban unloaded the camels, gave them straw for their bedding, fed them, and provided water for the man and the camel drivers to wash their feet. They're getting the full red carpet treatment right. as they're welcomed into this house, but partly motivated by Laban having seen what this guy carries, what, what is going on here, the wealth, and who he is, who he says he is. Because Laban knows, Abra knows of Abraham, right. Mm -hmm. right? His uncle. Exactly. Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I've told you why I have come. And he begins to recount, almost word for word, almost. what he was instructed to do and what he experienced verse by verse that we've already seen. But as we spoke earlier, he wants to give a testimony. He wants to show worship to God by telling this story for all to hear so that they don't lose out on the magnitude of what's really happened. Because in the mind of Laban, there is a potential suitor for his sister, which in the tradition of the culture, now we're going to talk exchange of goods here. We're going to, you know, is this a good match? All of this. But the servant needs them to understand that this is much more than that. I don't come for negotiation. I come with instruction. I yeah. come with a task. And the servant already knows that the Lord has fulfilled the task. Yeah. Right? right? So he needs them to understand everything that he's gone through so that they hopefully will have the same sense of wonder and go, this is of God. And he wants to give glory to God. He doesn't want to take credit. Of course. Anything, Absolutely. What, you know, is in the scriptures, that's what we're told. Because yeah. you give God glory, glory, not glory. say, oh, I, I saw her, and I thought this, and I think she'll be, you know. Yeah. He said, no, it was God. Absolutely. So Laban says to him, all right, tell us. And he says, I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord has greatly blessed my master. He's become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep. He's giving them Abraham's credentials, mm -hmm. right? His earthly credentials. This is a man of great wealth. 
Many male and female servants, camels and donkeys. When Sarah, my master's wife, was very old, she gave birth to my master's son, and my master had given him everything he owns. And my master made me take an oath. He said, do not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my father's house to my relatives and find a wife there for my son. But I said to my master, what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to go back with me? He responded, the Lord in whose presence I have lived will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. Yes, you must find a wife for my son among my relatives from my father's family. Then you'll have fulfilled your obligation. But if you go to my relatives and they refuse to let her go with you, a little bit of a very specific right. moment here. Yeah. If they refuse to let her go with you, you will be free from my oath. So either she goes or she's left behind. Right? Yeah, there's right. no negotiation that's going to happen yeah. here, right? So today when I came to the spring, and here comes the, the sort of, you know, whenever you, we tell our testimonies, there's always, not always, but most testimonies, testimonies have this aspect of, let me tell you about the before. Mm. So that when I tell you about how I came to the Lord, there's that much more impact, yes, right? Sure. And that's what the servant is doing right. here. He said, this is what my master told me to do. He even said the disclaimer there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I came to the spring, 42, and he prayed. And he describes for them word for word the prayer, the prayer that he made, which we have gone over. So I'm not skipping anything other than what we've already heard, mm -hmm. right? And, but he's explaining to them word for word what he prayed, even that he prayed if she says, yes, have a drink and I'll draw water for your camels too. I mean, this is just, this story should amaze those who are hearing it. Yes. And they should at least have some sense of God is at work here. This God of Abraham that we know he left this place for. Because by now, word has gotten back to the family there are still whispers of Abraham. Remember him? And he went out and left. And, you know, we've heard he's become this, you know, he's called a prince in the chapter before, yeah. right? By, by those who he's with. And so the servant is telling this story and this account. And I gets all the way to verse 46 where he says, So I drank, and then she watered the camels. Then I asked, Whose daughter are you? Turns out that it's the, fa the, ma the family of my master. So I gave her the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. Then I bowed low and I worshiped the Lord. And then at the end of that section, verse 49, So tell me, will you or won't you show unfailing love and faithfulness to my master? Please tell me yes or no, and then I'll know what to do next. It's a very pointed question that he asks of Laban and this family. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, let's talk and let's barter. It's will you or won't right. you? Because he knows that Rebecca, by the tradition of the time, needs Laban's blessing. And her mother, again, strange that her father doesn't come into the picture, right? But still, there needs to be, in the, in the mind of Laban and the family, we need to approve this, right? The account of the servant is so compelling that in verse 50, it says, Then Laban and Bethuel replied, the Lord has obviously brought you here, so there is nothing we can say. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go. Yes, let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard their answer, he bowed down to the ground again and worshipped the Lord. Now, before we get to 53, 
And if I'm going to take just a few extra minutes to get us through the end. The family is not acting from a point of greed. I need us to understand that. Yeah. They're quick to agree because this testimony has truly moved them. It's come from the Lord. Okay. Well, not only that, but I mean, they know Abraham's history, where he started. Sure. They were there. Yep. And I'm sure they've heard the stories over the times of everything that has happened to Abraham and he people would say he prayed to the Lord and this happened. He Sarah was barren and then she had a child. Yeah. Sure. Because when Absolutely. she left, remember, right. she was barren. Yeah. yeah, they knew. They knew the history of both Sarah and Abraham. Right. But Abram. Now, and they probably heard along the way things right. have come back. Absolutely. In addition though, <laughs> because here's the thing, they may have known all of that. But none of that is what influences their decision and what right. they say at this point. Okay. What does that, the, the, their, their immediate response of yes, because it is, it is clear the Lord has sent you, right. is the testimony ah. that is so true and so compelling that they, in the moment, and what I'm getting at, guys, is this is an example of an emotional reaction to an action of God. Okay. Okay. Many of us in our walk, prior to knowing the Lord and truly being His, probably had scenarios where, you know, and I'll give you an example of mine. I can remember being in places where praise music was being sung or where people were playing some sort of Christian song or whatever, and man, the emotion just took over. But it never, the seeds never landed, right? And I think that's what's happening here because they're like, wow, this is. Yes, God is at work here. Yes, she can go with you, okay? So he tells the story, and then they eat their meal in verse 54. After he has presented both Rebecca and the family more expensive presents, right? He gives her clothing and silver and gold. He then presents to the family all of this, you know, you know these expensive gifts because, again, this is him doing as he was told by Abraham and sort of marking the tradition of the time, right? Then they ate their meal, and the servant and the men with him stayed there overnight. And then we, this is the next part that, that for me is why I say their initial reaction was one of emotion. Gotcha. It was not faith, mm-hmm. okay? Because early the next morning, and my verse starts with the word but, but early the next morning, Abraham's servant said, send me back to my master. He's respectfully asking their permission to depart. Right. Right. Ready to go. And they say, Laban and Bethuel, we want Rebecca to stay with us at least 10 days, and then she can go. <laughs> okay. What are they doing? They're, um, they're backstepping. Yes. Putting conditions. They, yeah, they're starting to, to walk back their decision because right. guess what they were probably doing overnight while the servants left? They were counting. Probably. Yeah, they were like, okay, hold on, wait a minute. Let's... Yeah. Talk about this for a second, yeah. you know, amongst themselves, right? Well, right? Because they hadn't done the marriage protocol that normally yeah. is required. Sure. You know, to prepare her and to, right. you know, a length of time and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Betrothal. So. Yeah. No, there's traditions that, that here are going to not occur, right? 
But at the end of the day, it's also the fact that, you know, it's probably hard for Rebecca's family to let her go on a one-day notice, right? Yeah. Laban probably had some ulterior motives for yeah. like, hey, if he can provide this much immediately, what's going to happen in 10 days, yeah, right? So there's a lot going on here that shows us the, the earthly reaction that seeps into an, a, a spiritually emotional moment, right? Right. Wow. Because how many times before the Lord, and, and if you, if, if again, everybody's testimony is different, but there are times in people's lives where, yeah, man, I thought that was the day that I'd find the Lord because, right. man, I, I seem to be connected with God. But then next thing I know, three years have passed and I'm yeah. still in the, in the world, you know? Yeah. And then finally the Lord gets a hold of it. So... I believe that the family's reaction is really one of like awe and like, yes, God is at work. She can go. But then given some time, they're like, well, hold on. We need 10 days, right? There's things we got to do. But the servant is steadfast. And in 56, he says, don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return my master. He's saying, listen, my conditions have been met. That's all that needs to happen because this is of the Lord. Lord. Absolutely. Well, they said, well, call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. So they called Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? And I have a feeling that they kind of were thinking that Rebecca was going to be a little more humble in their eyes and hesitant to say, well, you know, my family wants 10 days, right? But here we see, and it, yeah. you got to tie it all the way back to when the servant and Rebecca meet. We see the character of the woman that God has chosen for Isaac. Uh, because what does she respond when they ask her, what do you want to do? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. That, is the, that, that is the call of God on our, on our, on our heart yeah. by the Holy Spirit that brings us to him mm-hmm. when he finally does get a hold of us. And he says, follow me. And we say, I'll go. yes, Lord. I'll go. And that's what we're seeing in Rebecca's response. There is, a, there is a faith that she has taken on by simply understanding her role in the events that have happened and in the testimony of the servant that she then hears. She lived it. But then she listens to this man and understands, I am called to something here. There is something here. So Rebecca is, is moved to a point where she has no doubt that it's time to go. She heard the prayer that the servant. Oh, absolutely, her. sure. And and was, the worship that the yeah, servant and gave. It all came together, and I won't be drawing water at the well anymore because I'll have served. <laughs> maybe, maybe. That was my last ten camels. Oh man, she's like, <laughs> she's like, stay here or go there. It was whatever it was. It was worth the nine hundred miles. Yes, I've been in this town. There's nobody here I want. <laughs> oh my, oh goodness. It was going so well. That's uh, <laughs> no, okay. I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So we get we get her beautiful response at the end of verse 58. Yes, I will go. And the family relents. Verse 59. They said goodbye to Rebecca and sent her away with Abraham's servant and his men. The woman who had been Rebecca's childhood nurse went along with her, and they gave her this blessing. Oh, and what a beautiful blessing it is. If my voice breaks, sorry. It's awesome stuff. They say, they bless her by saying, our sister, may you become the mother of many millions. May your descendants be strong and conquer the cities of their enemies. There's a prophetic prayer here. Because what do we know? That that's exactly what's going to happen. Right? They didn't. 
But they were, there's something happening here in the hearts of these people that are Abraham's family right. that, they under, that they may not understand fully like the, 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 the future ramifications of this prayer, mm-hmm. but it shows us that God is guiding their prayer. Amen. And they bless this Rebecca, this woman. And I don't know why, but our sister just, you know, may you become the mother of many millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going to. Yeah. And... Man, there's maybe it's the guy in me. May your descendants be strong and conquer the cities of their enemies. Right. They will. They sure will. It's a prayer that later, when all of the events of the future happen, that the descendants of Abraham's family will know Rebecca was was mm-hmm. highly regarded right. by the Lord. Right. What what was those her brothers that gave that, that, was, that, uh, that blessing? Laban, her mother, her family. Mother what they didn't know is they were actually prophesying. Oh sure, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the Lord will use the mouths of those He chooses, right? And that's what we're seeing. So many lessons of how the Lord can use anyone. Then Rebecca and her servant girls mounted the camels. They didn't have to walk too much and followed the man. So Abraham's servant took Rebecca and went on his way. Meanwhile, Isaac. We finally see Isaac. Do y'all remember the last time we saw Isaac? When, uh, yeah, he but that's right. He had just been like, okay, I'm not going to be sacrificed. Right. That's the last time we've seen him until right now. He stayed hiding. Yeah. I'm not going through that again. <laughs> so, so we finally encounter Isaac because now we're about to shift focus in the next couple of chapters to Isaac, right? Because uh, I don't know if you're noticing, but we're getting to the halfway point of the book, right? Yeah. And it says, Isaac, whose home was in the Negev, the, Negev, the region, had returned from Beer Lahiroi. One evening as he was walking and meditating in the fields, he looked up and saw the camels coming. So he kind of has his own little community that he's part yeah. of. He's out, you know, walking and meditating. And he sees, he looks up and he sees the camels. So he knows, he knows what his father has done, right? So he sees the camels returning. And when Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted from her camel. And she asked the question of the servant. Who is that man walking through the fields to meet us? And the servant replies, what? He's my master. It is my master. We are starting to see the beginning of the transition from Abraham as he begins to conclude his time on earth to now the servant recognizing Isaac is his master. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful image. Rebecca covers her face with her veil. Then the servant told Isaac everything he had done. He tells the testimony again. Okay. Isn't it awesome that he's so excited about like this? And let me tell you how it happened, right? Yeah. And I doubt I. God made me bring you. Right. Yeah. Done good. I, I can't imagine that Isaac. You know, would have been like, all right, just get to the like. Who is she? <laughs> you know, yeah. he he well, wants he wanted every detail. Exactly, he gets to soak in every single detail that the servant has gone through, all because of what God has promised, foreordained and promised. Isaac right. understands the promise. Uh-huh. Yeah. Isaac understands who Rebecca is intended to be, right. and so he doesn't question the fact that well, maybe this is not one. <clears throat> Absolutely. In yes. fact, we get at the very end in the last verse, and Isaac brought Rebecca into his mother Sarah's tent. And she became his wife. And I love this last part of the verse. He loved her deeply, and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. This is a woman chosen by God to be part of the covenant with Isaac. And Isaac is so faithful and has learned so much from Abraham that when he sees her, he must 
know in his heart that she's the one. This is of God. Amen. She is of God. And I and think she did too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It had to be some rabbi around Didn't there. Didn't say anything about her marriage. <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> they didn't really have to go through too much of what we're used yeah. to. Yeah, right? Right. I don't know. Well, I have a question yeah. about sure. that. Okay, because you know today there are so many people who don't get married. Yes. Mm-hmm. And because our generation is different, I was wondering, so if they go, if, if he, like they take each other, they commit themselves to each other, and they don't go through a marriage ceremony, but they dedicate their lives to each other and stay married and don't go off. So does that mean it's okay in God's eyes they call that they didn't it, I don't get married? Or, what, I mean, I don't just, I'm just wondering if they call that marriage. Yeah, because in those days, they didn't know, have the, a piece of paper or justice of the peace or passion. No. That's what I was asking. That's no, exactly what I was so yeah. just all started I think it was that. maybe it's just it was a verbal commitment between the yeah. Yeah. between the two, you know. And yeah. maybe the nose ring had something to do with it. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> maybe. But but you're right. The traditions yeah. then are different from now. And the Lord is satisfied to simply tell us he took her as his wife. Amen. And, and right. she was the one for him. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's it's it would be interesting to do to take a look at what the traditions of the time were in relation to marriage. But what we do walk away understanding clearly is this union between Isaac and Rebecca is God's ordained union. Right. Because now they will further the covenant and we're going to eventually meet Esau and Jacob. Jacob. It's almost like the generation now is going back to that. Living together, not married. Um, I, thousands and thousands of people that I, are not married. May, yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know that I would put it into the same like reasoning, yeah. right? Because, yeah, exactly. It, I I see what you're saying that yeah. that tends to be less of a of a thing these days. But I think within the context of what we're seeing here, it's that this community already knew, and and at least the servant and Abraham knew. That the the entire intent of Rebecca being brought to the camp is to be Isaac's wife, and she understands that too. And we already talked about the fact that the usual protocol was not happening. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. This was outside the norm. Right. Yeah. Unique. Yeah. In my notes, it says that even though this chapter is called the marriage of Isaac and Rebecca, that a more suitable central, that the central theme of the chapter is God's providential guidance for Israel's ancestors. Oh, Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. Wow. That's what I got yeah. from it. No, indeed. Indeed. This is what the Lord is, he's directing this. Step right. By step. You know, and no matter what obstacle, you know, that may have been put in place, you know, when they tried to say, okay, well, give us, give us 10 more days to figure this out. Hey, the plan was already in place. Oh, yeah. You know. Absolutely. God, you know, the Lord had already spoken, and it was going to happen the way he wanted it to happen. Exactly. Absolutely. And besides, we'll, we'll hear more about Mr. Laban on down the road. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I do have a quick note here as we prepare to close. Isaac, the notes that I have, Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca. Uh, Abraham at this point is 140. So, uh, yeah, uh, in case that was a question. So, 
I feel like you had a thought. No. Oh, okay. I have right. no thoughts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just thinking, thinking of you and how loving you are. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> she she was she was my Rebecca. Been so. probably up in there his age like that too. That's probably why he's not on the. Right. Right. Team, right. You know. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if he's the brother of Abraham. Sure. No, that's a good. That's a good point. That's a good point. He's a hundred. <laughs> Something. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, it's again long chapter, but fruitful in terms of understanding God's plan is sufficient. Amen. And it it His plan will move forward. So uh, let's pray and let's thank the Lord for the time He's given us. And and I prayerfully thank each of you for the extra time. And pray healing for Peggy. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. All right. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this evening. We thank, thankful, Lord, that you give us this time to study together. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you give us this enthusiasm for seeing the wonders of how your plan works, that through the eyes of Abraham's servant, that we see how his faith changes and, and grows because he sees your plan come to fruition uh, in, in the instruction he was given by Abraham. Father, thank you for the lesson of Rebecca, a woman of character, a woman chosen by you to become the mother of millions and to further your plan on earth. And Lord, we, we, we sit in wonder at the thought that this is just the beginning and that ultimately all of this, many, many, many years later and generations later, will lead us to the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that ultimately is your story. That our Savior, Lord Jesus, would come to earth, would live the life of a man, would die for our sins, rise, and in doing so, be able to give us grace and to give us eternal life. So, Father, we thank you that in the obedience that we see in Rebecca and the wonder of the servant, that we remind ourselves of the way in which you called us out, and the way in which you chose us to be your child. And the way that we felt the moment that we knew that we had no other answer for you, but yes, I'll go. <coughs> Father, we pray tonight for healing for our sister Peggy. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing she's been this many years that we've been part of Oasis, all of us. And we thank you, Lord, that you even now know better than we do what type of healing and comfort she needs. We pray for <coughs> Joe and her both. Yes. And we ask that even now that she feel your loving embrace yes. around her and that she feel the prayers that all of us provide for her Thank and you, will Lord. continue to do so. Pray for Tessie too, please. Absolutely. We pray for our sister Tessie, Lord. You know her needs and what it is that we're praying for. Yes. And so, Father, we faithfully come before you knowing that you are a faithful and loving God and that you as a great physician can work healing into the lives of our brethren. Yes. We also know, Father, that to those who do not know you, you are giving an opportunity with this recording to learn about you yes, and to become open to your word. And so we pray for them, Lord, that if anyone who is listening to this recording who doesn't know you is moved to seek you and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, they would bend the knee, repent of their sin and call out to you to save them. We pray for them even now, Lord, because we know you'll be faithful in that prayer as well. We love you, Lord. Thank you. And we pray that once again, if it's your will, we meet next week to continue this journey. But that tonight, Lord, we leave with joy in our hearts, knowing that your plan is perfect and your will will always be done. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Amen.